Hello, I'm Jody, and I'm a mama on a mission to encourage parents to take their power back. I know from personal experience how your gut is leading you in one direction, while the world is telling you that you are going the wrong way. You are convinced that you are the crazy one for believing hope is alive and healing is possible. You are manipulated to believe that you are not capable or smart enough to make life-altering decisions for your baby. I've stood in those doctor's offices. I've even been kicked out of plenty of them. Welcome, friends, to a space where you are allowed to ask questions and you are allowed to step into your power as the mama bear that has always been within you. You are not the crazy one. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Cast. It has been a hot minute since I have recorded something, and I will tell you the inspiration for this episode. Where it came from was once again being placed into a situation where I had to advocate for my children. Now, many of you guys know my story. You've followed me for quite some time through seven different accounts that have been disabled or deleted. Um, you, you've read our book, Autism Reimagined. Maybe you're a part of the Warrior Center as a member, and that is a space where I go really in-depth and teach about health, natural medicine, how to advocate. You just have a built-in community around you where you do not feel like you are alone in this journey. So anyways, if you have not checked out the warriorcenter.com, you need to and become a member. But the inspiration for this episode came from um, our daughter actually going to summer camp. Uh, it's an incredible summer camp, by the way. We, we have no problem at all with the camp. They are phenomenal, but they have no idea that they are stuck in the system. They have no idea that they are tethered to this system, which is the government, whether local or federal, it is the government they're tethered to. So they wanted me to go get her um, an exemption, you know, I go through the process of getting a formal quote unquote exemption from vaccines and a physical and uh, yada, 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 all the things, right? Well, my daughter has never been to a well check appointment or in, in her entire life. Okay. Now, if that makes you nervous, we'll get into that in a little bit because you actually do not have to go to well check appointments. And my daughter is 100% perfectly healthy never has had a vaccine, never has gone to a well check. So the whole narrative out there, by the way, that they love to push that you have to go to a well check, that health only comes from a needle uh, is not true. It's absolutely not true. So we're going to be talking about some things today that, you know, they're, they're part of our reality as, our, as we navigate life every day and advocate for our children. And, and I never would have thought that I would be at a place right now after advocating for 12 years since my son was vaccine injured and nearly died, that I would still be doing this. But the fact of the matter is, once a parent, always a parent. And we will always, always be called to defend our children and to defend our beliefs and, de and to defend what, what we hold as a value. And for us, as a family value, we hold very dear to our hearts the fact that we get to make those choices and decisions about medical uh, freedom and immunizations and all of that stuff. Uh, so 
what I did, <laughs> what I ended up having to do, actually, I didn't have to do it. I did it because I wanted to do it, um, is I was always really curious about the vaccine propaganda that they give parents. Now, years ago, obviously, I was a victim to that vaccine propaganda, and I fell for it. And uh, in retrospect, obviously, it was a big learning experience. And um, I do I do believe that those experiences that we have in life are for a reason. And I do not ever want our experience to be in vain, so to speak. I want to use what we have gone through to help you and other parents uh, step into your power, reclaim your motherhood, know that you can make these choices and decisions. And it does not matter what the propaganda machine out there says or what they tell you that you are forced to do. You are not forced to do anything. So long story short, we obviously stood up for our rights. We obviously advocated for our child, as we always will. But I wanted to really see what our state put together in terms of vaccine propaganda. Now, every state has different requirements, right? Every state, and I use requirements loosely because I'm going to tell you again, you're not required to do anything. You have to be very careful to put on the critical thinking cap and go, wait a minute, rules, requirements, laws, what, what is really the truth here? And how are these words used in a way to trap parents into the system forever and ever? Amen. Right? So uh, I went ahead and went through the Colorado uh, immunization education module course. Let's just say it's a re, or it's a, <laughs> It's an indoctrination camp. It's a re-education camp for parents. It was uh, about 20 to 25 minutes of torture. But I want to share that with you today because I think it's incredibly important that we walk through this propaganda that they are giving parents and we talk about some really important things. Now, this episode is going to be critically important, critically important for parents or new new parents or um moms who are pregnant, ready to have their first child, um, maybe, you know, engaged couples. And and I want to encourage you, you know, it, we used to, it used to be that when you were engaged, you went through marriage counseling, right? And, and I mean, that's still a thing, obviously. And I, I highly recommend obviously being equally yoked with your uh, soon to be spouse. But I'm going to tell you right now that we are in a world where you had better make sure you are on the same page as your spouse-to-be in terms of vaccination, just like we would want to be in terms of faith or anything else incredibly important. I think also the sad part of the world that we live in today is, is there's fewer and few to choose from that uh, did not take the COVID injection, right? So that's that's going to, I think, be another thing that is is sort of the the uh hey, let's talk about this before we get married. Did you get this COVID injection? Oh, and by the way, what do you think about vaccines? Because I'm not going to vaccinate my child and we need to be on the same page. All that to say is, this is the episode to listen to. I want to encourage you to share it out. I am severely shadow banned, all the things. Um, and the only way to really break that is to have you guys share these things out. So either copy the link to the episode and send it to a friend, maybe post it on your social media, uh, but be careful with the words, cover them up. <laughs> and don't forget that I do have a free app, the Warrior Center. So download the app from my app store, go to thewarriorcenter.com, and I have a completely uh, uh, 
part of the app, a complete part of the app that's uncensored, where I post things and talk about things that I would normally not be able to. All right, so let's get into this because, uh, again, I think this is a crucial episode. Um, go back to maybe even some of the other Freedom Cast episodes that I've done on autism, let's say, or vaccines, and don't forget to share this out with somebody you know, be, especially if they're they're on the fence, especially if they have not rooted into their power and they they don't know that they have a choice. So my story, when it came to questioning the vaccine narrative, came from my own doubts, my own guilt, my own awakening that I had. Our our oldest son was given this label of autism. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's the same story over and over. I actually was on a coaching call yesterday with a, a, a set of parents who have a new, uh, newly diagnosed child, new, newly given label of autism, and they want to do something about it. Now, number one is that's very rare. Unfortunately, the sad part is that's very rare because what you see out there is you see the narrative of you know, autism is genetic, vaccines don't cause autism. In fact, in this immunization educational module by the lovely state of Colorado, thank you, Jared Polis. Um, actually, well, I'll, I would I call him another name, but we'll try to make this a family-friendly show today. Um, let's just say it starts with a P and it ends at an S, but it's not Polis. <laughs> um, so uh, in this module, they even point out several times Vaccines do not cause autism. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree because I see thousands and thousands and thousands of parents who have the same story over and over again. And the story mirrors our story. It's the same thing happening, guys, and it can end, but it can only end with you. Let me say that again. Only the people can end this because the system will never change. They need you in the system. They need you tethered to the system. They need you enslaved to the system. Why is it so important to not go to a well check? Because you are telling the system, I will not do this. I see that well checks are aligned with the CDC schedule. I see it. I will not do that. And the more parents that opt out of that and go a different direction, that is what actually affects the system. That's what actually causes the system to begin to crumble because they need you in the system to be a system, okay? So when my son was given this label, you guys, the light went out in his eyes. The light went out, boom, dark, done after getting nine shots in one visit. Nine shots. This is not uncommon. We're going to go through the schedule in just a second. It's very common that you go in for a well check and a child receives nine vaccines in one visit. And I'm not talking about necessarily nine needle pricks. The three in one vaccines is three shots, guys. It's three shots. It's not one. It's three. So you got to count that as three, but that's not what they're going to tell you. Okay. This was a visit where I was shamed and told by my doctor that if his own child were behind on shots, quote unquote, he would catch them up right then and there. I was backed against the wall. I believed in the system at the time. Why should I question it? Didn't doctors know more than I did? Right? We think that, right? They have letters behind their name. They wear a white coat. They do not know more than you do. I'm going to tell you that right now. And they certainly do not know more about your child than you do. And they never will. 
I had never at the time stepped into my own power as a mother. I followed along with the narrative where you have kids, you do what the doctors tell you to do, and everything would be fine because they're supposed to be the experts. Those well checks are supposed to make sure your child is healthy. But then why is it that every time you go to a well check, your child gets sick? Why is that? And it's not just because of the so-called contagious germs in the office. No. And we'll get to that. This is where I began to ask questions. I got thrown out of practices because I did not follow the schedule. That right there, mamas, I'm speaking to you. And you know what? I'm actually speaking to dads too right now. Because if you see this happen to your wife, if you see this happen to your family, that you are excused from a practice that is supposed to be there to be your partner in this parenthood journey that is supposed to be there to help you raise a healthy and thriving child and you get thrown out for not following a schedule of needles that are filled with poison, there is something wrong with that. And you need to exit yourself out from that system. So here I was trusting the system, trying to navigate what health looked like. I sought people who, um, I mean, I did, I sought out people who genuinely wanted to help my child and who wanted to listen to my concerns and not just listen, but I wanted to feel valued as a mother. And why aren't we valued as a mother? Have we asked ourselves that question? Why does the system not value our voice? Why do they call us crazy when we say, my child was fine today, they're not fine tomorrow. I know what it was, but instead you're shamed and gaslighted. Yep. So I know this is a topic that can be incredibly divisive because when you've experienced vaccine trauma, you cannot be silent. You can't. It's really hard to be silent when you have been awakened to all of this. And our stories bring hope. Why do you think they want to silence us? Because our stories bring hope to you that you are not alone, that you don't have to feel guilt, you don't have to feel shame, you don't have to feel doubt, that once you know, you know. And you can't help but realize how vital it is to get this information out. Information that the media, Google, the propaganda machine will not give you. Your pediatrician, the school, oh, the beloved Fauci, they will not give you this information. Not once in this, oh my gosh, it was, I don't know, uh, 20, 25 pages worth of, of re-education, so to speak, about vaccines for this Colorado education module. And not once in there did they talk about the dangers of vaccine. Not once, not once. You're telling me that you have something that on the insert itself in the box has side effects, including autism and death, and you're not going to include that in this education module for full informed consent, there's something wrong with that, friends. So here's, um, here's something that I think is important to reflect on as we sort of dive into this topic is vaccines are an obvious hot topic, even more so in the last two years. Um, I would say before COVID happened, you know, you would get silenced a bit when you talked about vaccines, but as soon as they wanted to sell billions of dollars worth of their COVID shot, oh my goodness, the minute you tried to, to expose any type of corruption, 
surrounding COVID or the vaccine or ventilators or whatever, you were done. You were done. So it's, it is even more so now than I've ever seen it before in my life. And we are told to, to blindly trust the system because, you know, what they've done works, so to speak. And it makes people feel safe that they don't, they can just outsource their power to the system that they're going to keep them safe instead of looking within and making the lifestyle changes and using our, our brains that God has given us. So some important things I think that need to be thought on and considered is, number one, the companies that manufacture these vaccines um, and the entities that protect them. So number one, um, and this is foundational info before we get into uh, walking through this module and giving you guys some really good information to think about, is no vaccine has ever gone through a double-blind placebo control study. Let me say that again. No vaccine has ever gone through a double-blind placebo control study. You can even look at the, um, let's just, we're going to call it the COVID injection. It is not a vaccine. It's an injection. And all of those studies, you can find fault with it, complete fault with it. And guess who funds the studies? The vaccine industry, the pharmaceutical companies. So tell me how that is a unbiased, double-blind study when it's funded by the very people making billions of dollars off of it. No two vaccines have ever been tested together in combination to determine if it's safe or effective. And yet our children are given more than one vaccine every day or or at every well-check visit, according to the vaccine schedule. They're given nine oftentimes at one time. So it could be a three-in-one, a three-in-one, a three-in-one. It could be a three-in-one, a three-in-one, and three separate shots. None of those vaccines. There has never been a study to determine that that is safe to do. You know another reason why? Guess what? It's unethical to do that to babies. It's unethical to test vaccines on babies. So how are they really determining that it's safe? You can't. You can't guarantee that it's safe. It's actually unavoidably unsafe. In clinical trials, vaccines are tested on healthy individuals. Well, and I would say healthy is a broad term because we live in a very sick society where one in two children have a chronic illness. Uh, At least one in two adults have a chronic illness or on some type of medication or multiple medications. But what happens when this vaccine is given to somebody who does indeed have diabetes or a chronic illness or asthma or, or there, I mean, again, look at the cross section of humanity. Humanity doesn't even look like humanity looked like in the 1970s. Obesity is off the charts. And in children, obesity is off the charts. Once vaccines are approved, they are approved for all, no matter their health history. It's a one size fits all friends. Your child is not a one-size-fits-all. If there is no available data, safety is just assumed. It is just assumed. There can never be a one-size-fits-all vaccination program because we are all uniquely created and we will react differently. We all have a different constitution. The idea that there could be a vaccine that is mandatory or planned for every single human on this earth is not only reckless, but it's unethical. 
And that is exactly where they're headed with the COVID injection. And that is exactly what we've seen in countries like Canada and certain parts of Europe and parts of Asia and parts of this country, depending on the state, depending on the company. Look at the military. How are you going to tell me that every single person in the military is a one-size-fits-all? It is not possible, my friends. It is not possible. Are we getting healthier? We are in a time where we have access to more things and the ease of acquiring such things is so fast. Amazon Prime, whatever you want to use. We are in an age where you can get what you need to get, but yet we are sicker than ever as a nation and our children are sicker than ever. We have a routine of well checks, interventions, and option, you know, so-called optional resources to help us in our wellness. Yet we hear often of how numbers of disease, diagnoses, and even death add in childhood suicide that is off the charts from what they did to children in the last two years, and they continue to go up. And why are our children suffering so much more? What if science isn't telling the entire story? What if details are being hidden? What if stories that go against the medical narrative are silenced? What if there is so much more than we are being given? What if science is making us sick? What if the very thing that you are taking your child into for a well check is making your child sick? We need to ask those questions. And we need to know the power that we have within us. What exactly is informed consent? Because we kind of, I, I kind of mentioned that earlier in terms of in this re-educational, re-education module by the state of Colorado, not once is it mentioned that there is risk. In fact, in it, they say that there is no risk. And that's a flat out lie. They should be able to be sued for that. But that won't happen because the system. So the only way, again, remember to change that is for you to opt out of the system. You may, heard of the, uh, you may have heard of the phrase informed consent, okay? So multiple times this phrase comes up, um, but it's really important to understand the entirety of what it means. Informed consent is permission, okay? Typically, that which is given by a patient to a doctor for treatment with complete knowledge of the possible benefits and risks. You fully know the consequences that can happen if you do this surgery or you take this medication. Now, again, we're even seeing that diluted down in, in incredible ways in terms of not getting full informed consent, even when people are put on medications. So, But wherever there is risk, there must be choice and understanding the entire scope of possibilities before a decision is made. Once a choice is made, especially a medical choice, and vaccines are not supplements. Vaccines are not vitamins, my friends. They are medical. They are a medication that carries a risk. And those side effects can never be taken back. Once it is in the body, it is in the body. Once you inject a innocent baby who cannot fight back, who does not have a voice, you can't uninject them. Now you can detox. Gets pretty hard after that, let me tell you. We've been through it. So I want to get to a point 
where we start thinking about preventing autism, that you can prevent it by the choices that you make, that you can prevent this epidemic of chronic illness in children before it happens. And you know how you prevent that? By not being a part of the system and taking your power back and reclaiming your motherhood. So we need all knowledge. There's actually a few parts to um, true informed consent. Number one is you must have the ability to make the decision. So when it comes to babies and toddlers and young children, that's on you, on us, the parents. That's on you guys. You, you are the ones that have the ability to make that decision because they cannot fight back. In fact, it, oh, it just rips me apart when I see photos of two or three nurses holding down a screaming, crying baby to inject them with poison, with vaccines. They don't have a choice. You are their voice. You are it. You are the line in the sand. You get to stand in the gap between your child and the system and you you are like a freaking brick wall and you don't move. Number two, the provider must give you all information. So when you're sitting in that well check, which hopefully you won't be much longer, um, when you're sitting in that well check, are they actually providing you the benefits and the risks? Are they actually walking you through the uh, insert of the vaccine box? Do they dismiss you when you ask about the insert? Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, probably in less than 0.0001% of well checks, do they actually talk about risk? They just assume you're not going to fight back. They just assume that their propaganda is going to work. And when you do fight back, when you do ask questions, you're excused. Uh, Another part of this is you must actually understand the information given. If you're not able to ask a question to get full understanding, then you don't actually understand. And then you must voluntarily give consent to proceed without feeling coerced. Without feeling coerced. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that many of you, many of you listening today feel coerced if you actually think about it. That you're shamed, that you're guilted, that you are treated as if you don't know anything, even though you're the mother of your child or the father of your child. So informed consent is kind of a big one, guys. Kind of a big one. Okay, let's move on to another foundational uh, part of this conversation that really I think is sort of the fork in the road, okay? And it's how we look at disease. Because here's the thing is if we look at disease as the boogeyman and it's going to come and get us, then we're probably going to fall for the vaccine schedule. We're probably going to fall for the propaganda. If we believe that germs are out to harm us, if we believe the pathogen is actually the uh, the thing that makes us sick or makes our child sick, well, yeah, we're probably going to fall into that um, into that system because we think that sickness and and disease is a bad thing. The other side of that is. Do we, if we don't believe that and we actually change our thinking to the germ is not the problem, the pathogen doesn't actually make you sick. It's actually incapable of making you sick. But instead, the choices we make in lifestyle choices, what we eat, how we take care of our emotions, 
uh, what we bring in our home. Am I bleaching it all over the place and putting plugins and spraying Febreze? And guess what? Do you know how many kids have asthma just from that alone? And do you know how many kids stop having asthma when their parents stop using that in the home and maybe they diffuse some awesome medical grade essential oils and all of a sudden, poof, their asthma goes away. Oh, magical, right? So we either have, we either go, disease is the problem and I'm afraid of disease. I'm afraid of getting sick because I've been taught for years and years and years and conditioned to believe that the pathogen, the virus, the bacteria, the fungus is the problem. And that's going to make my child sick. And there's nothing I can do about it except vaccinate. Or over here on this road, we can travel down the path of no, the pathogen can't make me sick. And in fact, I'll add on to that, that there's a beautiful benefit to viruses and bacteria that we actually need to be exposed to them in order to make our bodies stronger in order to make our children's bodies stronger. And that I indeed hold the power of choice, meaning I get to choose what I fill my grocery cart with. I get to choose what I put in my home. So there's two different things here, right? So the holistic view of disease observes that when the environment of the individual is maltuned, you could also call it poor terrain, then and only then will the person become sick. This maltuned internal environment then opens the door for opportunistic, opportunistic infections. Neither the use of antibiotics or vaccines has improved the immunological processes of the individual. We have not solved the problem of susceptibility, nor have we given credence to the need for the disease process. Let me say that again. In the allopathic medical system, that props vaccines up on a pedestal and worships them like a freaking God, okay? They have not given credence at all to the need of the natural disease process. They just want everyone to vaccinate. That's it. They just want everyone to vaccinate. So health, when you think of health, right, okay, Health is really measured by one's ability to adapt to external pressures of life and the environment. This, this is a conversation of terrain. So if you've heard of terrain theory, germ theory, just to briefly wrap it up in a pretty package here, germ theory is, oh my God, COVID's going to kill me. Oh my goodness, chicken pox could kill my kid. Oh my goodness, can't get measles. Oh dear, what if uh, what if they get cervical cancer and I didn't get them that HPV shot? Or that's germ theory, that the germ is the problem. That you can drive through McDonald's, you can have toxic emotions, you can surround yourself with toxic people, you can be in toxic relationships, you can have generational trauma that's never never healed. You can eat a bunch of seed oils and processed food and sugar, but your vaccine's gonna save you. Your vaccine is going to save you. Or over here, which is health is measured by one's ability to apt, adapt to external pressures of life and the environment, your terrain. One's ability to bring physical action into, into the external environment to create a living situation that is conducive to life, health, socially, spiritually, uh, culturally, politically, economically. It's a holistic viewpoint. Okay, germ theory or terrain theory. 
And if you think of disease in general, what is disease influenced by? Disease is influenced by a direct relationship of how a particular environment is limited in supporting particular aspects of human life. So if you look at acute disease, so outbreaks of acute disease has much more to do with the environment of particular aspects of human life. Overexposure to heat, cold, lack of sleep, lack of of nourishment, like nourishing foods, uh, poor quality sanitation, overcrowding in in poverty-stricken areas, fluoride-filled water. That's what disease is influenced by, and that is a controllable. Why, instead of trying to vaccinate the entire continent of Africa, as, by the way, they are treated as test subjects by our favorite Dr. Bill Gates. (laughs) He's not a doctor. I did that on purpose. Um, Instead of giving them clean water, instead of giving them clean water and maybe some minerals, but instead we're going to vaccinate them all. Okay. And they're going to be test subjects and it's wretched. It's wretched. And it doesn't just happen. It happens everywhere, guys. It happens in this country too, by the way. Um, Rather than seeing pathogens as responsible for the disease process, guess what? Pathogens survive as a a result of conditions which are conducive to that disease process. So that's either going to be in a positive way or a suboptimal way. A disease becomes contagious either by its virulence or its existence in the population that shares the same type of of, uh, let's say, socioeconomic um, susceptibilities. So if you look at, let's, if you were to take a, an area that has poor quality water, guess what? They're going to be more sick than a place that has stronger, it has, has an environment that creates a stronger terrain in people. And also don't forget the personal choice of terrain as well. So um, again, this is, I think this is a foundational part of this conversation because if, if somebody believes in the germ theory, if they wholeheartedly believe that a germ is going to harm them or their child and that the germ is the problem, then they are going to believe in vaccines most likely. They just are. Uh, if they believe in terrain theory, if they believe in the choices that we make and that the measles virus is, it actually has benefit because it does, then they're, they're going to be a little bit more in the camp of questioning vaccines and standing up for their children and bucking the system, so to speak. So interesting too, in a discussion of vaccines, if you look at the World Health Organization, so one of our favorites, right? Look at all the alphabet soups, the WHO, the CDC, the FDA. Um, you could even throw the CIA and the FBI in there as fully corrupt. Um, but you know what's interesting about the WHO is that they've always seemed to say that infectious disease is directly related to inadequate nutrition, contaminated water, and poverty. But yet, where is that conversation? Because that'd be too easy, guys. And not only that, it would not be a moneymaker. Let's not forget that right now. Because vaccine manufacturers have zero liability. So if I had a product that I knew could kill you or could cause autism, and maybe it's a one in four chance, but I I knew that that was possible, but yet 
you could not sue me at all, no matter what? Oh, what? I, I mean, sure. Someone would sell that product, right? To make billions of dollars. Now, I personally wouldn't, but that is exactly how you have to look at this. Your child is a number. Your child does not mean anything to them. Your child is a dollar sign, plain and simple. And unless you find a really good pediatrician, your child is a dollar sign to them as well because they get kickbacks for uh, full vaccination rates in their offices. They get bonuses. Your child is a number. So our fear of disease and the inability to adequately alleviate poor nutrition and contaminated water supplies, plus if you add... Um, it places the emphasis on the use of um, of vaccines. You have a very wicked system. And this paradigm creates the narrative that disease is the enemy to be feared and that human beings are somehow flawed in their ability to resist illness unless they get the magical vaccine. So... I want to get in. We're already 36 minutes in here. I want to get into this uh, Colorado module. I, I do have a feeling this will probably be a two or a three-parter episode because there is so much to talk about. And I also want to encourage you guys, if you are in my free warrior app, um, the uncensored, there's like the uncensored group in my app, which is where I'll obviously post um this episode, I want you to ask questions in there because I want the next episode to maybe just be a Q&A. So either go in there and ask your questions or um, send me your questions an email, which is jody at jodymastruck.com because I do want the next episode. I think what would be really valuable is to just go through your questions one by one and answer them. Okay. So let's talk about re-education here. <laughs> I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible and just hit the highlights, but let's just say again, it was 25 minutes of torture of my life, um, but I did it for you. You like that? I did it for you. Okay. Where have we heard that before? Um, all right. So the first part of this is uh, the, they they have this in the state of Colorado as a way to opt out of the vaccine schedule. Now, remember, every state is different, but I will want to just dispel some false narratives right now, which is every state does actually have exemptions, even California, even Mississippi, even West Virginia, Connecticut, and Maine. Now they make it very difficult. They don't make it easy, but every state technically actually does have an exemption process. Um, it's just a whole heck of a lot more corrupt in those states. And you have doctors who are threatened all the time if they provide a medical exemption for a child who really actually needs it. In fact, I would say all children need it. <laughs> um, and so they threaten them. Okay, so the system threatens them. So it's harder and harder to find doctors that can do that. Uh, the one thing that I will say about this process is you have got to rise up as people and change your state. Or you move. Honestly, you move, Ben. Uh, we moved out of California. I, I fought the good fight there. In the end, there was a, a lot of factors at play, but we just felt it was our time to leave. What you need to understand from a broader perspective of law, and this kind of can apply to Roe v. Wade and that whole hubbub of Dobbs v. Dobbs v. Jackson and all of the false, false things being said about the Supreme Court um, opinion, is that it's a state issue. It is a state issue. It is not a federal issue. It has never been a federal issue. And over the years, the liberal progressive narrative has propped up this 
this uh, talking point that it everything is a federal issue. It is not, my friends. No, 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 no. They want you to believe that so that you are brainwashed into not knowing the Constitution and how it's actually created and designed to work, which is it's a state issue. So if you have a problem with your state, you have got to fix your state. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> In Colorado, they recently changed. They tend to go the way of California, so we're watching it. Um, but you can, instead of, uh, instead of doing, going through, uh, and trying to jump through hoops, like you would have to in California, you can now take this, a re-education module and get your, uh, exemption and you just print it out and you give it to your school or whatever. Now we've never had to do that and we don't plan on doing it. But again, I wanted to watch this to really give you guys an idea of what is being taught and just what garbage it is, to be honest with you. Absolute garbage. Um, because I'm going to tell you right now that a parent who wants to opt out and they're forced to watch this 20, 25-minute module, it's not going to change their mind. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not going to change their mind. <laughs> so I think it's just funny. All right. So the first part of this goes into um, your immune system and how vaccines work. So I want to highlight this section, which says germs can enter your body in many ways. Once inside, once inside, remember germs are the boogeyman. They can start to grow and attack your body. This is called an infection and is what causes people to get sick. So let's go back to what we talked about in the very beginning. Two problems here, two things that keep people in the system. Number one is Fear of disease through propaganda. They actually literally fear the disease and think it's going to get them or their child. Number two is fear of getting in trouble. Fear of getting in trouble by the system. So the, so I know for a fact, after thousands of conversations over the years and being in the system myself and then waking up, that the reason I was in that system was because I feared disease, I believed what they told me, and I also feared getting in trouble that child services was going to be called on me, that somehow I was going to get in trouble. Once you get over those two hurdles and you see it for what it is, it is like no holds barred, my friend. No holds barred, okay? So if you look at this, when it says the germ can make you sick, okay, what do we actually think about disease? Do we think it's actually going to make us sick or do we believe in terrain? Do we believe that there's actually a purpose for the chicken pox? There's actually a positive purpose for the measles, like protecting against cancer. Now, what happens when children don't get measles naturally, and instead they get lab-made synthetic so-called immunity full of poison that actually causes cancer from that very poison in that very vaccine that they are saying is going to protect you and your child? Um. This is a good time to talk about two parts of the immune system that I think is important that you guys understand because this helps us understand why the entire vaccine industry is a, a, a basically a false, it's, it's a false industry built upon a false narrative and it's got a bunch of fallacies in it. So number one is you have your cell-mediated immune system and your humoral immune system. These provide very unique benefits to our bodies and God designed them for a purpose. We cannot expect, how, I mean, listen, if God designed something for a purpose and a reason, 
And then man goes and messes with it. What do we think is going to happen? And I'm not talking about life-saving emergency medicine. I'm talking about messing with the natural order. We're going to have problems. So with your cell-mediated immune system, these are your symptoms. This is what freaks people out. This is what this is what I get messages about all day long. My child has a fever. It's 101. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I get it. I used to be in that place. And the amount of Tylenol and Motrin I gave my child makes me want to throw up. And what I did to their liver. So the cell-mediated immune system provides a huge benefit, a huge benefit in terms of signaling to us symptoms. So we know something's going on. And it is what we do with those symptoms that makes the difference. So remember the fork in the road. If my child has a fever and I fear disease, I'm going to think that the fever is a problem. If my child has a fever and I know that terrain is the most important thing and that there's a purpose to that fever, that the fever is actually the solution, then I'm probably not going to give them Tylenol and Motrin. And instead, I'm going to use essential oils or herbals or a detox bath with baking soda to help bring the fever down naturally in its own time while the fever is doing what it's supposed to do. While the fever is the solution, not the problem. So your cell-mediated immune system signals, hey, something's going on. Now we get to decide which, which road we're going to travel. The humoral immune system is actually what makes your antibodies. Now this happens sometimes 10 days after, sometimes two weeks after. It can take a little bit shorter, longer, depending on the person and depending on which antibodies are being produced. According to the vaccine industry, they want you to believe that you can synthetically create your humoral immune system. My friends, you cannot. You cannot recreate what God has made in a lab. It's just impossible. It's not ever the same. So you have an entire vaccine industry that for years now has tricked the human body into a synthetic so-called immune system and bypassed a completely natural part of the body's defenses that are built for a purpose. And that's why vaccines don't work and they never will work. So your humoral immune system is crucial because that is what's making the antibodies, but you want to get that from the disease naturally. Um, All right. Another part of this. So this says, uh, let's see, we're just going to go through some of these highlights here. Um, This also now talks about, you know, science and medical experts, you know, the experts um, make vaccines from the same germs that cause disease, but the germs have been killed or in some cases weakened. The weakened germs won't make you sick. Really? mRNA COVID injection? Huh. Seems like a whole lot of people who supposedly should have had immunity from an injection got sick. Even when they said that they wouldn't get sick or that they couldn't pass the disease to somebody else. Hmm. There's a lot of kids that get sick after a well check. Hmm. There's a lot of people that get sick after a flu shot. Hmm. Okay. Um, Vaccines teach your immune system to protect you from many diseases. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? I mean, they make it sound so awesome. Again, go back to the cell-mediated immune system and the humoral immune system. You cannot synthetically trick the body. Nothing ever works out well that way. 
at all. Um, I want you to also think of this in two parts, which is natural immunity and synthetic immunity. Natural immunity is natural. It's what your body is supposed to go through. It may not be comfortable, but it serves a purpose. Synthetic immunity is not what your body is designed to accept. In fact, your body wants to fight against it, and it does fight against it. It's just that a lot of people don't don't know the signs to look for because when they go in to their trusty pediatrician and say, well, I don't know. I mean, my, my child kind of had a seizure after that vaccine. By the way, this is very true. Okay, this happens every day in well checks across this country, probably every minute of every day. And the pediatrician says, oh, that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal. It's just, it's just a normal thing. Don't worry about it. No, that's a freaking side effect. And what happens when you do it again? What happens when that child gets exposed to that again? It, next time it may not be a seizure, it could be something even more serious. So yeah. Natural immunity, synthetic immunity. I will choose personally natural immunity all day long. Okay, my next favorite topic that they talk about is herd immunity. Because you guys, this is this is what we've heard for two years now, right? Do it for your neighbor. Do it for grandma. Your kids have to protect grandma. Okay, herd immunity at its very core is a fallacy. The way that they describe herd immunity, because there is no such thing as synthetic herd immunity. Remember, when you mess with the natural order, the natural order will fight back and it won't be pretty. And that's exactly what we've seen happen with the fallout of COVID injections. We call it sudden adult death syndrome, by the way. (laughs) All of these, and, and not even just adults, teenagers dying in their sleep. You guys, that's not normal. First class athletes paid millions of dollars dropping dead sudden adult death syndrome so with herd immunity the example i want to use with this is the chicken pox and shingles now again according to propaganda is they want you to believe that the only way to achieve herd immunity is through vaccination rates the other side of that is actual herd immunity and this is what it used to be And what that looks like is the cycle. I want you to picture a circle of a mother, a mother now pregnant, a baby, a toddler growing into a young adult, getting a disease, now becoming an adult, getting pregnant, and the whole cycle continues again. Okay. This is what real herd immunity is. It is when the mother contracts a disease in the normal course of their life. They now can pass those actual real antibodies that last forever, not the ones that supposedly COVID was going to give you for a lifetime, but oh, just kidding. It only lasts for four weeks. You need another booster now. No, real immunity gives you a lifetime of immunity that you can pass down to your baby. So now that mother has gets pregnant. That woman gets pregnant. Yes, only women can get pregnant. I'm so sorry to burst your bubble, guys. So sorry. We also don't use pronouns on this show. Um, So a woman gets pregnant and now what she had built in her body in terms of natural antibodies to all the childhood diseases she got naturally is now passed on to her baby, 
protects that baby naturally for the first couple years of their life. And even more importantly, for the first six months, which is when they love to scare parents into whooping cough propaganda and all of that stuff. So now the baby begins to go through their life. They're naturally protected. They get, they start to get their childhood diseases on schedule, you know, maybe chicken pox at age six or seven, maybe the measles, whatever. We're talking about the good old days here, guys. We're talking about like the 1950s and before, <laughs> maybe even the 1970s, before vaccine manufacturers became totally immune from liability in 1986. So let's go to 1986 and before. Um, so now they get those naturally occurring diseases. They create 100% strong immunity for a lifetime. And the, the cycle repeats. But how I want to illustrate this for you with shingles and chicken pox is I want you to think about why do we have the shingles vaccine today? Number one, it's a moneymaker. So we know that. But why? Because it never used to exist. And the reason it never used to exist is because when children would get chicken pox and their mother or father would take care of them, and maybe their grandma or grandpa would come over and bring them a sucker because they weren't feeling well or read them a book in bed. Remember, remember that movie, The Never Ending Story? It's such a good movie. But I picture the grandpa reading the story to Fred Savage in bed, right? And so they would get this little booster, like a natural booster shot of chicken pox, which would then protect them from shingles. That's actually how it's supposed to work, guys. Now, what happens when you remove children getting chicken pox and you insert synthetic immunity with a shot full of poison? And oh my goodness, strange. Now we have a shingles epidemic and now we need to create a shingles vaccine to protect 50 and up or 60 and up because they're not getting the natural booster that they would from their grandchildren or their children. Uh, it's just mind-blowing, guys. It's it's common sense. It's common sense. So that is real herd immunity. Herd immunity is only real when the population gets sick. And is there going to be some casualties? Yes, you guys, this is the biggest thing. We have been taught so hard to fear death and disease and all of these things so that they could come in and fill that gap of fear with their concoctions made in a lab. Listen, the premise of so much of this is we live in a fallen world. I know that bad things happen. There will be people that will die from things. We don't live in utopia. The earth is not utopia, my friends. It's not until we all go to heaven. So there's this I think there's this struggle where we we don't want tragedy to happen. And so we are okay then with the system coming along and saying, well, we can fix your tragedy. We can protect you. But in the end, death is inevitable no matter what at some point in our life. I can't control if an accident happens randomly out of the blue. So if we can just sort of get that in our minds of, of figuring this struggle out and, and being okay with that and saying, you know what, if an epidemic happens, if a true pandemic happens, yes, there will be people that die. And some of them will be, will be killed because of poor treatment. 
we could we could totally parallel this to COVID, guys. Um, the majority of people who perished were given poor treatment. They were put on ventilators and given remdesivir, or they were given a COVID injection and they died of a random heart attack. I actually don't see anybody in my life or out there in culture that has died from this so-called germ that has had a strong terrain. But will it happen sometimes? Sure. And there's, there's, there's things that we will never be able to answer here on earth, but we cannot allow that to cloud our thinking with common sense. Like we can't allow it to cloud our vision of like looking for truth and seeing truth over the lies. So again, I think that's just part of, it's part of the conversation because that can really be a struggle is parents is uh, the, we get so feared into death that if we don't do this, this will happen. And that's simply not true. There will always be death. There will always be accidents that happen. There will always be things that we may not have answers for. But when you look across the board, this is risk versus benefit. And you have to be willing to say, I'm not okay. I am not willing to have my child be a statistic in risk of this needle filled with stuff that's never been fully tested. I'm not okay with that. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. I will instead, for me, the calculated risk is, well, if we have to weather something, God forbid, like meningitis, we will weather it. And that's what emergency medicine is for. But I'm not willing to risk a vial full of poison. I'm not. Okay. Um, we're coming up on an hour. You might need to make this a part two, but let's just move on a little bit to a few more points, which is each section of this module gives you videos to look at and pictures of fear porn. Look at this child. Look at what this hib does. Look at what the measles looks like. Look at what meningitis looks like. Look at what tetanus looks like. In fact, I was just having a conversation with um, a medical professional today and they said, Oh, so you don't do a tetanus shot? And I said, no. I said, well, they said, well, what if you step on a rusty nail? Or what if your child steps on a rusty nail? And I, of course, I launched into how tetanus is just a lie anyways and whatever. And I said, okay, well, if something were to happen, then I would go get the, go get the immunoglobulin shot. And they were like, what? I was like, oh, you don't really know that that exists? Oh, shocker. You don't know that that exists. You always have options. You always have options, but they fear you with these pictures. Every single section of this re-education module by the state of Colorado has fear porn in it. Um, I want to quickly um, point out the diphtheria. So this talks about diphtheria, and there's a whole history behind diphtheria that not many people know, um, and actually a whole history behind vaccines that not many people know, which is every single disease they have a vaccine for was already massively on the decline before the vaccine was introduced. And that's called herd immunity, by the way. So when we talk about natural herd immunity, that's exactly how it works. The disease is on the decline naturally through the population because that's what happens. That's the natural order. And then all of a sudden the vaccine is introduced, but they claim that the vaccine eradicated the disease. And in every single instance, that is false. So diphtheria is actually a pretty significant point in history where this is when they started to add aluminum to vaccines. Yes, aluminum, the neurotoxin. 
And what's interesting about this is parents back then, now you didn't have social media, you didn't have the propaganda machine like they have now with the media and controlling of everything. So people actually talked to each other. Um, And parents were very skeptical of the diphtheria vaccine because they saw that children were dying from the vaccine. At first it had mercury in it. They, They recognized, and when I say they, the system, and I actually want to give them, I like to give credit where credit's due, where I'm going to just say, I don't think they were as evil back then as they are now. Um, and maybe they had good intentions, but again, even someone with good intentions can cause harm. So there you go. But they realized that parents were not willing to do this diphtheria vaccine because of the mercury. So they started to put aluminum into it and they tested it actually in horses because it was an animal that was large enough to turn over the serum fast enough. And so this is this is pivotal. This is when they started to add aluminum into vaccines. And what's interesting about the timeline is it completely coincides with the first documented case of autism, both in the US and Austria. They happened at the same time. You can't deny it, guys. The one thing about data is you can fudge data, but what you can't fudge is common sense, right? So like, Perfect example, look at the CDC schedule of vaccines, 86 vaccines minimum given to children birth to age five. One in two children have a chronic illness today. Autism is through the roof. ADHD, food allergies, common sense, common sense. So your first documented cases of autism coincides with the addition of aluminum into the diphtheria vaccine. All right. Um, Let's uh, talk about, well, they go through HPV. I'm just going to say this. uh, It's a lie. (laughs) Cancer is not what they want you to believe it is. Um, And I would highly recommend, maybe that'll be a whole separate episode. And I actually have a section. I actually made a section in my book, Autism Reimagined, a very large section on Gardasil for a reason, because it is an absolute tragedy what is happening to teenagers with Gardasil, an absolute tragedy tragedy with boys and girls. So just, yeah, it, it makes me want to throw up. Um, they talk about the flu shot. It talks about, you know, how you can die from the flu. Well, you can't die from the flu. So there's that. Um, talks about measles. The one thing I want to say about measles is that it actually provides benefit to protection against cancer, like lifelong protection when you contract measles naturally. Um, Talks about rubella. You know, again, a lot of this is the same propaganda over and over. What's interesting to me is they have to say the same thing over and over. There's actually really nothing interesting that they do say. I just find that funny. Um, It talks a lot about, you know, in these modules, how many percentage of children die from things. Again, remember that you can fudge statistics. It's very easy to fudge it. Polio is another interesting one. Uh, Polio continues to be a cornerstone of fear for the older population who lived in the 1950s. They're starting to dwindle um, just through time, right? Because remember, at some point, we all die. Sorry to break the news to you. So just make sure you're going to heaven. Um, But this is, this is, you know, even in talking with um, people who I know in my family, it still is a source of fear for them because they were so brainwashed into the fact that polio was this epidemic and they needed this vaccine and the vaccine eradicated it when in fact it was DDT. Being sprayed on children 
And it's the same symptoms that so-called polio had. So anyways, um, let's see, rotavirus. The one thing I want to say about rotavirus is it's a super common thing. It's, it's diarrhea, guys. It's diarrhea. Just, you know, again, lifestyle changes. How are we creating a home environment and advocating for our children and making choices that contribute to their terrain? What are we doing to do that? Those are the questions we have to ask ourselves. And the bottom line is there's there's a, a plenty of parents who are just not willing to do it because it feels harder. It feels harder to set the diffuser up and put some oils in there than it is to, to spray the house with Febreze and, and plug in a plug-in full of um, asthma-causing and endocrine-disrupting chemicals. It's not harder. You know what's harder? Going through illness and chronic disease and a lifetime of being crippled and, and uh, tethered to the system, that's harder than taking your power back. But it just, you know, it's conditioning. It's conditioning over the years. And you guys can break that cycle. You absolutely can break that cycle. Um, chicken pox, we already kind of talked about that with the, the herd immunity. So I'm just kind of going through this module here. Um, the one thing I do want to hit is, and last but not least, and then again, I think we'll probably make a part two of this episode, is the ingredients, because this is a big, big one. This is where the rubber meets the road, okay? So the last section in here is talks about ingredients, and it says some parents worry about the ingredients in vaccines. Yeah, no shiz, Sherlock. Um, of course, I'm concerned about formaldehyde and aborted fetal tissue. Uh, so it recognizes that some parents are concerned, but then it says, but they are proven to be safe. Proven by who? There's no study. There's never been a study. So proven by who? You guys, do you see that they can just write whatever they want to write and people will believe it? They don't, they don't have anybody pushing back against them. That is our job. That is the only way this is going to change for you to say proven by who? Show me a study that proves injecting aluminum is the same as eating aluminum. Show me the study. So the main ingredients that they bring up is number one, they go preservatives, thimerosal. So that's mercury, by the way. Purpose to prevent contamination. Most common source found eating fish. Oh my gosh, you guys. Is anybody injecting mercury into themselves? I mean, yes, there are because it's in the flu vaccine. Still, it's not the same as eating fish. Your body in different systems of your body is designed uniquely to do certain things. Your digestive tract, if it's strong with terrain and good gut health, is designed to remove contaminants like mercury and fish. Injecting mercury or aluminum into your bloodstream is a completely different ball of wax. <sighs> Adjuvants talks about aluminum. Purpose, to help boost the body's response to the vaccine. Well, that tells you right there, number one, is if you can't supposedly create your synthetic community and do it without any of this garbage, then you have nothing. And that's, the, that's what this kind of boils down to, is their lab-made synthetic community can't work unless it has this garbage in it with it. I've always said, I will be a proponent of vaccines if you make them safe. Show me how you can create immunity without this garbage. Oh, oh, wait, you mean that means you actually have to get the disease. 
that's the only way to do it, guys. <laughs> that's that's actually the answer. Okay. Um, and then this says, you get aluminum from drinking water, baby formula, health products such as antacids, aspirins, and antiperspirants, as if it's okay and common and normal to take those things. Um, not the same as injecting it. Stabilizers, sugars, and gelatin to keep the vaccine effective after it's manufactured. From eating foods such as Jello, resides in the body naturally. <sighs> yeah, uh, I might go eat some Jello with food dyes, but I'm pretty sure that if I injected food dyes into my bloodstream, that might cause a problem. You guys, the next time you go into a well check, and I hope it's your last time, and you say, see you later, sayonara, that you look at that pediatrician in the eye and you say, I want you to know one thing. Injecting aluminum is not the same as ingesting aluminum, period. And you say that one thing to them. Okay. Um, residual cell culture material. So this is egg proteins. A lot of vaccines are grown in eggs. This is, we wonder, gosh, we wonder why the epidemic of food allergies in the last 20 years? Hmm. Okay. Um, this is the purpose to grow enough of the virus or bacteria to make the vaccine from, and then your most common source is eating eggs. Okay, sure. I get that. Um, let's just put our critical thinking caps on for a moment and, and ask ourselves why we do have an epidemic of food allergies in children right now. Okay. Um, residual inactivating ingredients, formaldehyde to kill viruses or inactivate toxins during the manufacturing resides in the body. Naturally, there is more in your body than in vaccines. Pretty sure I don't have an overabundance of formaldehyde in my body because I'm not a corpse. Okay. If I'm a corpse laying on the table in the funeral director's home and they're injecting me with formaldehyde to preserve my body, okay. But guess what? That would also kill somebody. And that's exactly what we're doing every day. That's exactly what people are doing every day is injecting aluminum into their innocent children. Okay. I mean, formaldehyde too. Um, residual antibiotics, neomycin to prevent contamination by bacteria during the manufacturing process. Antibiotics that people are most likely to be allergic to, like penicillin, aren't used in vaccines. Well, they're allergic to a whole lot of other things too, and this actually potentially causes an allergic reaction. Why do we think people have so many antibiotic reactions? Why? They're getting their children, their babies are injected with neomycin every time they go into a well check, multiple times, over and over and over. Not only that, but it's so common nowadays for a child to be on at least three to four to six rounds of antibiotics in a year for ear infections. We need to connect the dots, guys. We need to connect the dots. Um, this then says uh, ingredient misconceptions. Oh, you like how they say misconceptions? DNA. When vaccines are made, chemicals are used to destroy or break apart DNA from the virus or bacteria in the vaccine. This can result in very small amounts of DNA in the vaccine. It is impossible for DNA from the vaccine to become part of our DNA. Really? Hmm. mRNA vaccine. Okay. Um, fetal tissue. Some childhood vaccines, such as the rubella vaccine, are made by growing viruses in a type of embryo cell fetal tissue. I want to just... Um, we're coming to the end here, but I want to point this out to you, which is really important. And it talks through the rubella. Um, and this is something that, again, it's just knowledge and factual information for you to be able to put to, together the puzzle pieces. Um, 99 babies were aborted to create the MMR vaccine. 99. 27 babies thought to be infected with rubella were killed in an attempt to isolate the rubella virus. 
They finally successfully isolated the virus on the kidney tissue of the 27th baby. 40 more babies were aborted after the virus was successfully isolated on RA27-3 for further research. Once isolated, the virus was grown on the lung tissue of yet another aborted baby, WI-38, the 32nd abortion. So first of all, RA27-3 stands for rubella aborted, 27th baby, third tissue explant. The WI Wistar Institute, 38 specimen, 32nd abortion. Okay. Um, I know that there's a big, big hubbub about abortion right now for the record get your facts. I have a whole nother episode coming on that. And you can actually go back and listen to an episode that I did on abortion for the facts. Um, many believers in something that I think has bothered me for some time. And I was in this camp is that many believers don't seem to have a problem with vaccines, but they have a problem with abortion. And again, I want to just say, I think the problem here is I think why this happens is because the fear of disease is greater than thinking about the fact that you are putting aborted fetal DNA into your child. DNA, by the way, that could be the opposite gender. I want you to connect the dots on that one. We have a massive epidemic of gender confusion in this country. That is both from brainwashing in the media, Hollywood, social media, culture in general, and it's also physiological. Bodies are toxic. Bodies are getting foreign matter injected into them the moment that they enter this world. And in fact, many times, even when they're in the mother's womb still with the Tdap or the flu shot. So I think this happens where I look at Christians or believers who are 100% pro-vaccine, and there's a little bit of what I would call kind of a... um, like ignoring it because I don't want to see it kind of thing going on, some cognitive dissonance, because it would be too much to admit that it's wrong that they've used aborted fetal DNA to make these vaccines that were now being used to inject into millions and millions of children over and over and over again. Okay, I want to end really quickly Um, Again, I think we'll do another episode, but I just want to end with letting you guys know that you have a choice, okay? You have a choice, and you always have a choice. Please do not ever think you do not have a choice. The choice may be hard. You might have to stand up for yourself. You might have to switch practices. You might have to opt out. You might have to change your lifestyle. You might have to look in the mirror and say, holy crap, I'm done with this. Like, I see it now, and that's really hard to accept that we have been lied to. And I think that's often why people continue behavior that they know is probably not the best, but they can't rationalize in their brains that they have been lied to. It's too hard. But you can. You can. You can dig deeper. The information is there. You get to stand up for your child. Nobody else will. The system doesn't care about your child. I don't care how much they try to wrap it up into a pretty bow and say that they do. And you see all the billboards and all the propaganda you're sent in the mail. They don't care about your child. Your child is a dollar symbol to them. 
you care about your child. You are the gatekeeper and you are the one that, that gets the honor, honor of protecting your child. All right. So if you are interested, by the way, in digging deeper into vaccines, I have an entire vaccine module in the Warrior Center locked behind closed doors. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about the Warrior Center is we do not get censored there. We get to talk about anything that we want. Open, honest, everything, COVID, everything in between, shedding, all the things. Um, but if you want to go through the vaccine course, I highly recommend it. And I recommend doing it with your spouse. I recommend doing it with, um, if you think you're going to be getting married to someone. Um, and so you go to, go to the warriorcenter.com. There's, a hours, like thousands of hours of education in the warrior center. And it's a space that you have a built in community to surround you where you do not feel like you're crazy. So I want to just encourage you to hop in there. Um, again, it's the warriorcenter.com. Reach out to me if you have any questions. Please send me your questions for a Q&A episode. So send them to Jody at jodymestruck.com and I will compile them and do a part two. Um, all right, friends. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a beautiful day and we will see you on the next Freedom Cast. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining the episode today. As a reminder, you can connect with me over at thewarriorcenter.com. You can also grab my book, Autism Reimagined, on Amazon, available both Audible, ebook, Spanish, English, and you can also head to therighttorule.com for some freedom gear. Remember this, my friends, you are a sovereign human being, and you hold the power, not the government. See you next time.